Welcome to episode 87. I'm Sheldon Grant, and this is the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. Today's episode, we've got a great guest, Willie Mitchell. So keep tuning in to hear the interview with him. But before we get started, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Merino Wool, Wool Love. I guess it's Wool Love, made by Merino Wool. If you want to check that out, go to www.wool.love and check out their stuff. We've been using their stuff for the last, I don't know, maybe a year. It's super comfortable. It's, like I said, Merino Wool. It doesn't smell. they got a lot of new stuff coming out, like women's tank tops and underwear. And they also got the old stuff, like base layers, uh, golf tees, boxers, socks, you name it. So check it out. When you get there, you can use our promo code. Use um, Panoramic10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, you can save up to 25% when you bundle up with their with their other bundles they have. So check that out. That's www.wall.love. And Chase, Drylick is on the other end. I'm going to introduce him here. What have you been up to? I see you've been fly fishing. Hey, man, we've been hitting the, the flies pretty hard, or the water's pretty hard with the flies, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, yeah, I kind of found a new little hobby here, and it's, I don't know, I'm just... I'm totally addicted to to fly fishing on the river now, and it's kind of scary. But at the same time, I'm also kind of asking myself, why, why now? Why, why haven't I done this earlier? Like I've had a fly rod for years, and uh, I got out there, and man, it's I don't know something else. It's it's not like I've done some fly fishing up and around the north, but uh, which is a lot of fun. But this is this is completely different. It's uh, you're right in the action there. It's it's uh you're right by the falls by the spillway and uh you know it's it's full-time fishing pretty much as opposed to like other shore fishing that you do or even in the boat where you just so especially for cats you know put your lure out sit wait for something to hit this is your you're constantly uh doing some sort of action whether you're casting or um stripping back in slowly or whatever it may be been doing a lot of uh retine flies and leaders so that also keeps me busy but but it's it's good it's almost like a form of meditation out there because you're you're so involved in in tossing flies and and reeling in fish that you really don't have time to think about anything else so it's it's uh it's awesome that the current was actually pretty strong the, the water came up a little bit last time i went out there and uh i'm feeling it today man my legs are sore my body's sore and uh those rocks are slippery that's that's pretty crazy. I think you're getting the bug because you see all the cool kids doing it on Instagram, and you got to get out there. And it's funny because Chase said to me, he's like, "Man, he's like, I love this shit. I'm gonna get into it." I'm like, "Man, you got a lot of fucking hobbies right now." <laughs> like, but that's cool. And the thing is, is I've been learning lots just watching you and Tristan and the, some of the stories and stuff you guys been doing. But I like my understanding is that catfish were like kind of always bottom feeders, but apparently they'll hit flies on the surface as well. Then uh they will but but our our fly setups are uh sinking line with a sinking fly with a weighted fly so uh, we're okay. we're targeting them targeting them closer to the bottom but they do feed all throughout the water column uh, and where are you hooking up to anything else yeah yeah actually we uh there's um drum out there so they're they're hot and heavy right now they're biting like crazy uh carp lots of carp out there um also sauger quite a few sauger tristan was actually like posting a story to instagram yesterday and he caught like three sauger just by like 
dangling his fly in the water with his like rod crossed in his arms kind of thing like not even attempting to fish so it's kind of funny yeah that's crazy man um going back to this intro that i that i started this episode out with i haven't been on an intro it seems like forever and i'm kind of like losing it i think but whatever we're here we're in the intro (laughs) um have you been doing any cooking i was actually talking to april the other day and she's been using that pit barrel quite a bit she was sending me a couple uh like dips that she was doing there which i thought was really cool uh have you been lighting your barbecue up a bit or no oh nice man no uh (laughs) actually i i haven't because um pretty much every evening i get free i go fishing that's not an excuse not to light it up actually because i have supper before i go out but um this week is uh dex birthday probably gonna fire up some ribs in there i got two big racks of baby back ribs like the really meaty suckers that i think i'm gonna toss in there and and uh yeah haven't done ribs in the pit barrel for a while looking forward to that and they just i don't know they're always next level coming out of there so um i look forward to that and uh Obviously, everybody listening to this knows that Pit Barrel is a big supporter of this podcast. And if you guys want to step up your flavor game, your barbecue game, cooking game, um, we run the thing all year round on the ice, ice fishing, camping, strap in the box of the truck, away you go. Head to pitbarrelcooker.com. And uh, in the States, free shipping statewide. They have all kinds of accessories. And uh, up north here in Canada, Check out their website. They have a list of distributors up in here. Uh, <laughs> they have a list of distributors uh, for up here. And uh, you can go get get yourself one uh, at a really good price. Pit Barrel. Get into one. That's yeah. Say for them. Now that we've paid some bills, um, another thing I was going to tell you is um, like that Citizen Canvas tent, if anybody's watching or following us on our Instagram we have uh, we're running a citizen canvas tent. It's a like a cotton canvas. It's a little bit heavier, but it's pretty wicked. We use it on the ice, ice fishing. We were trying to get out in a couple spring camps, but because of COVID, we haven't been. But I do got to tell you, Chase, is I got to set it up there last night um, just to kind of take a look at it and make sure everything's still, you know, nothing's rotten or anything, you know, from uh, moisture. So I got it set up last night. It took me, I timed myself. I was going to take a video, but I never did. I timed myself and it took me just over 20 minutes to set it up by myself. And that was stakes and everything, like putting the stakes in or yeah, yeah. tying it all down and everything. So I was very, very impressed. I'm super excited to have it, get it out. And uh, maybe next weekend or in a couple weekends when the restrictions open up a little bit more, I'll maybe get out with it. But if you guys are looking to get into the Citizen Canvas tent, go to Google, type in Citizen Canvas. You'll find it right away. And just check out what we're using. It's it's pretty cool. And we're going to be posting lots about it this summer. So go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That, that's a good idea too for, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming most of the hardcore campers have already, or tenters or whatever, have already uh, gotten out and, and checked out their gear. But um, if you haven't yet, it's a good reminder to, uh, you know, check that stuff out. Like you said, we use it in the winter. And uh, it's good to make sure it's, everything's all dried out and good to go in there. And so when we do head out to the woods with it, you know, we're not dealing with any issues. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that I have to tell you tell you about is I was talking to um, Mark at the iHunter. Mm-hmm. Did I? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. I was talking <laughs> to him. And anyways, I got some uh, landowner maps the other day and 
I was looking through them, and man, is that ever freaking sweet. I got a couple different uh, RMs, one down like kind of in the southwest corner where I hunt, and then one around home, or a couple around home. And it's so cool to actually be able to like locate yourself while you're driving around, and then, you know, those fields that you kind of always thought they were owned by, you know, Frank, then you can verify they're owned by Frank. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you might not ever hunt there, but you always say, "Oh, whose field's that?" And you know, I and the, that's the thing. When I go scouting with my with my old man, we'll drive around, and like eighty percent of the conversation is like, "Oh, whose field's that?" And oh, that's Frank's. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's that old guy from the coffee shop, you know, with the big glasses. And like it's just funny. So now I have this uh, app. I'm gonna start studying it a little bit better, so I don't have to ask so many stupid questions while driving around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's funny. Um, I, I feel the same way in a lot of situations too. Uh, one thing I'm looking forward to also is I, th- I think there's a lot more crown land out there than, than I realize in, in some of the areas that I haven't spent a lot of time in uh, hunting. So um, I got one map that I, I really need to dive into and just comb through it and see, you know, what am I actually allowed to hunt out there and, and uh, travel on? I think I'm going to spend a little bit of time, hopefully maybe a come coming weekend here or two, uh, touring around, checking it out, whatever. And, uh, just learning the lay of the land. Um, but it's, it's kind of funny that, uh, you know, you talk about driving around with your dad and, and learning the land and stuff. Cause the other day, um, I was up with the boys trying to find some morels and, uh, did not find any, but, um, there was this bison farm that, you know, was, I thought would be perfect, perfect morale territory. And, uh, I just ha- happened the, the, you know, the owner of the farm comes beetling out of his driveway and his quad. I wave him down and he's like down halfway down the driveway. And I'm asking him, you know, can I, is, do you have an open pasture or whatever that I can, uh, go look for some mushrooms on? I got the boys with me. And he's more than happy to let me go. Yeah, go ahead. You got the family. And he says, go north here, go east here kind of thing. And when you hit the second gate uh, with uh, with the limmer in it, that's where you go. So um, before I even moved anywhere, I just fired up the old eye hunter, looked. Okay, I can see there's a mile. There's the east, second gate. And uh, as long as that limmer's there. I'm going in kind of thing. So, um, having that extra reassurance, even when, when, uh, you know, uh, you're in those situations is, is I feel like pretty important for me anyways. So, um, big news. And if, if, uh, any of our listeners from Manitoba haven't heard yet, you know, we've been talking about, you might be wondering what's going on. Uh, iHunter has released, um, almost the entire province of landowner maps, on their app. I, I, I think I looked today and there's 70 on there right now. There's still a few missing that they're working on, but go check out uh, iHunter. They have an app. They also have a web platform. So it works just like Google Earth. You know, everything that you put on your iHunter app, you can go onto your desktop and check it out. So if you go to uh, web.ihunterapp.com and type in the promo code panoramic30, that's going to get you 30% off uh, any uh, public landowners, public land subscription. I'm not sure about the private landowner maps yet or not, if they're going to be on there. But try it out, and uh, you're going to want to get your hands on some of your private landowner maps anyways. 
and we'll <laughs> the more we use them the more you guys will hear about this so so uh stay tuned for for more action on this we're we're getting pretty heavy into the iHunter stuff yeah iHunter is pretty wicked i'm i'm getting more and more into it i'll be more and more into it uh later on the summer when i do more scouting and obviously into the fall and hunting seasons the other thing i was going to ask you about did you see i was just kind of scrolling through the old facebook before we got on this uh little podcast intro and i noticed there's uh there's a fellow on there i'm not going to mention any names but he kind of had a little video about how there might be some new um fishing regulations coming out that might be passed through the government do you know anything about that or no yeah yeah definitely they have a new uh oh man i can't remember the title of it but then a new uh fishing action plan pretty much where over the next few years it's a proposal right now uh, they're going to be putting it through over the next couple of years. They're changing uh, limits, some seasons, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I haven't completely read the document. There's a 10-page document there uh, to go through. But we are planning on getting uh, somebody from the government on to talk about that in the near future here. So stay tuned on that. And certainly if you guys have any questions that you want us to to answer on the podcast about it let us know email us drop us a line on instagram whatever it may be yeah well and that's the thing too when it comes to proposals if i was going to give any suggestions to anybody that's um not only an angler but even that enjoy the wildlife or um enjoy hunting or the outdoors you should probably get on board um and voice your opinion because it might be angling this time and it might be something else the next time i know they're privatizing some campgrounds or doing some other stuff so mm-hmm. as outdoors people we got to support each other so yeah. Go and take a look at the, the document. That's one thing I'm going to do here right away in the next few days is take a look at it. And if I have to, if I want to or if I have to, I might have to write a letter and send it to the MLA or whoever I need to to yeah. voice my opinion. But well, your, your voice is very strong, right? So Yeah, yeah. and they, they have a, uh, a document there, that, that a little survey that you can go through too and, and uh, uh, give your opinion on too. So um, all that being said, like you said, Sheldon, make sure you guys are reading that document. And uh, certainly let them know if this is something you want, something you don't want, whatever it may be. It's just like voting for, it's, it's voting for your fishing rights is, it, is pretty much what it is. So um, there's lots of good stuff in there. Um, some people don't like uh, some of the things that are that are in there right now. But uh, yeah, certainly give it a read, pay attention and uh, voice your opinion. Yeah, that's well said. What else you got up on the docket there, Chaser? Oh, not too much, man. Just, uh, you know, trying to keep up with orders around here. We've got lots of new gear in, guys. So if you're interested in getting yourself some new summer gear, uh, make sure you head over to our store, www.panoramicoutdoors.com. we got some lady-specific scoop neck sweaters that are the most comfortable sweater I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> I've never tried yeah. one on yet, but yeah, right. You know, I folded a bunch, and uh, we got tank tops and uh, whatever else you need—hats, buffs, sweaters, t-shirts. Yeah, and I'm gonna butt in there too, Chase. We got uh, all that stuff, Chase. And we also got a new t-shirt. I would like to say like a new t-shirt line coming out, but it's not a t-shirt line. It's just your regular t-shirt with a couple new um, graphics on it, kind of like a retro. Um, I don't know what I don't know what to call it yet. I it's like a retro series and then a couple t-shirts with our original logo um, on them and they're different colors and there's going to be four and they're going to be available um, at a low price. We want to get them out there 
and they're thinner they're good summer t-shirts and uh yeah they should be out here probably in the next week or so um not in time for father's day which is uh going to be in a, what is it this weekend no next weekend next weekend yeah yeah so uh not i don't think i'll be there before father's day but right after they should be in the store so go to our store check it out check out our blog check out all our instagram stuff and um yeah other than that we're gonna have willie mitchell on here right away quick but you know the one thing that i'm gonna mention is that we're like right in the middle of playoffs the winnipeg jets just got knocked out which uh chase is like shedding a tear right now i think <laughs> i know i know tristan will be that's probably why he's not even on this intro he's yeah. still crying about it <laughs> but um but we got if you don't know who Willie Mitchell is, I'd suggest going on the old Google and checking him out. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, he's been, you know, captain, assistant captain of many teams. He played for Vancouver here in Canada. Down south, played in many teams like Dallas and Florida and a couple others. Uh, Los Angeles, obviously. So I guess, uh, Chase, if you have nothing else, maybe we'll slide right into it. I want one more thing before we get going. What's your uh, 2021 playoff prediction here? Who's Who's taking the cup? Well, there's uh, my prediction goes all over the map. A number, my first thing is if obviously I'm going to cheer for the Canadian team, which is the Montreal Canadiens. I was kind of cheering for them when they played against the Jets, regardless, because I love Corey Perry. Don't ask me why. He played for Dallas, I guess, and that's one of the reasons why. But he's always been a good hockey player, and you know he's just a little like they call him the worm. He's a little rat. He's a little worm on the ice, and he gets under people's skin. And he's like, I don't know, probably my age, and he's still putting freaking pucks in the net. So how can you not cheer for him, right? So, and then there's, uh, if I was going to guess, I'm going to go with uh, probably the Knights, Las Vegas, and uh, Montreal. But that's going to be the next series here, I think. Hopefully they beat Colorado. What about you? If you, you if you were a betting man, you would say you cheer for the Las Vegas Knights? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. I guess so. I mean, but the Tampa Lightning is such... Like they're such a wagon. Like they're gonna do well. They always do well. They're just they're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully Montreal Canadiens can at least uh, you know, maybe get past this round. Who knows? Maybe they'll win the Stanley Cup. And if not, I think they had a good run and good good on them. Right on. Well, let's not uh, hold this podcast any longer. Willie Mitchell, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we got a guy here that played over 900 games in the National League, won the Stanley Cup twice. He won a gold medal with Canada in 2004 in the World Cup. He played for a few different teams. You might have known him from Vancouver, maybe the Los Angeles Kings. And my favorite team, he had a cup of coffee there with the Dallas Stars. Welcome to the show, Willie Mitchell. Thanks for having me. Dallas Stars fan, eh? Yeah. You know, it was one of those things, man. Like back in the day when I was playing like Blades of Steel with my buddies, I, like we couldn't afford to have the game like console thing, so I always had to go to my friend's house, and they're always like Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto. So I always got stuck with Minnesota. But then you then you watch Mike Badano fly down the ice with Minnesota, and I was just like, ah, I guess I'm going with Dallas. <laughs> so it's one of those things. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's been a little bit a uh, little bit of scheduling here, and we finally got you on. Very excited to have you. Um, we kind of briefed a little bit, but I'm going to ask you five burning questions right off the bat, and it's to get yourself comfortable with the podcast and for our listeners to kind of maybe figure out who you are. So you ready to try these out or what? Let's do it. Okay. You can answer them any way you want. Short answer, long answer, whatever. Um, hockey players, man, they have nicknames. Did you have one going through hockey or was, or do you know of a good one that maybe uh, you heard along the way? 
Uh, well, I was lips uh, as a lips. kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, they laughed for a while, but then it paid dividends uh, once I hit my teenage years and early twenties. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a nickname when I was younger. Uh, hockey players sometimes aren't super creative with it either, so I was just it's just Mitchy, right? My last name right. Mitchell or Mitchy Babes when I was in Los Angeles. Uh, Jonathan Quick, that was kind of my uh, his nickname for me, but. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. Lips. That's good, man. That's good. Hopefully, uh, maybe we'll use that a few times in this podcast yet. <laughs> uh, um, if you had one last supper before you uh, took off from this earth, what would you have? And, uh, what would you wash it down with? Ooh, champagne. No doubt. I'd wash it down with <laughs> every, every goddamn time you, you, you open that up. And that's funny coming from a hockey player. I'm sure like, he has his drink of beer while he does it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's funny coming from a probably a hockey player is like notoriously hockey players are known for beer, but I'm actually allergic to brewer's yeast, but champagne. I just love everything about it. One taste. It goes with any meal. Um, you can have it with your dessert and, uh, and automatically you pop that cork. Everyone's having a time. Right. <laughs> and so it's not only what the drink is, because I actually enjoy the taste. It's more what what it represents and sets off with everyone you're around. Right. Uh, on the table. Shit. I'm going with uh, I'm a BC boy, man. Salmon. I just uh, salmon tuna, just something fresh, light like that. I just love it. It's, uh, you know, it's nostalgic. Probably growing up, we didn't have a lot of money as a family. So it was like salmon sandwiches and salmon was like a staple within uh, our family uh, just because we had the access so so those are my two nice that's funny that uh that you say you know the the salmon sandwiches and and having like a sounds like a pretty good stock of salmon and then freezers is something that you relate to as as uh you know growing up not having a lot of money because because these days if you're looking for fresh salmon you're you're paying some pretty good coin for for good seafood on the counter especially our way it might be a little bit cheaper on, no, no, on no, your man. side you're of things, right but... that's why when you say that i was like how ironic is that and how the world's evolved and changed I, you know i have a four-year-old and it's like you know just today i, I was lucky enough uh, a local first nations community here and i actually got like proper traditional like smoked like you know from a fish house traditional first nation style fish and my kids like ramming through it because salmon's his thing and i think you heard dad say nostalgic like salmon sandwiches and all that <laughs> and i'm like this kid has no clue right now what you guys <laughs> are talking about right it's like a chinook salmon well one you just can't even fish for one right now you can't even keep it it's hard but and then two it's like it's probably yeah i don't know what it'd be out where you guys were but i know down south even in vancouver last year i only kept two or three because i, I try and be conscious about that because the stocks are low and 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 God, I think my wife was paying somewhere around 50, 50 bucks a pound, right? Ooh. For a Chinook salmon, right? Nuts. Yeah. So how, you know, ironically, right? Poor family, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just what we're relying on. And now it's like, <laughs> little do we know, right? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So the next question I got for here, Willie, is um, from my understanding, you are a big fisherman. What is that one fish that you, you could fish for every day? And then what is that fish that you still, it's still on your bucket list to catch? Great question. Uh, I'd say swordfish. Um, they're super unique. Um, not a lot of people know about them. 
typically they get grouped in with billfish and billfish there's you know blue black white marlin striped marlin hatchet marlin go on and on and on and swordfish have this big huge broad bill uh, growing up in the west coast steelheads is like mecca of a fish like winter or getting a summer run steelhead on a dry fly skating like that's like the be all end all and summer summer run fish are like super aggressive at that time of year and then also like excellent fights because they're having to jump up falls where like shallow water and stuff like that and i say to my people back here i fish with all the time i'm like okay swordfish think about that you know summer run steelhead let's maybe get lucky get one around 16 pounds or 18 pounds think about that but now think about swordfish 400 pound summer run steelhead and then they like oh i got you now right (laughs) no they're 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 amazing they're highly intelligent i could i I could nerd out for a long long time on this but they go surface to depth meaning like 2000 feet you know in in like minutes like less than 90 seconds i free dive as well and spearfish so like you think about the pressure god yeah at that level yeah highly intelligent i I recommend anyone who's into fish go 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 do a couple google search on swordfish and swordfish attacks on like people uh, you know divers and stuff working on subs and vessels and stuff they are bad ass man and (laughs) so i've been lucky enough to catch one we guesstimate around 450 pounds i cut i I cut a round off of it um because i harvest it in florida and i was coming back to bc and uh, my ethics is you harvest the fish you respect the life and you 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 take it and so i gave it it turned out to be five rounds and i gave four of them to some of the mates on the boat i was with because we we're actually filming filming a documentary and i put that on the on the flight and it, and it weighed 67 pounds just that one round and there was five wow. rounds so there was still the head the tail so we guesstimate 400 to 450 right um but i'm in love with that i i could nerd out like with it like, they, they they have the biggest range out of any fish in the ocean um most northern most range they have a heat exchanger right so they can actually take that water in and then basically you know pull it back through it allows them to go like you know find those areas where nutrients you know colder water obviously has more nutrients in it so that's why they cheat that and then that's why they also go to the depth and then they're relatively new fishery i guess set up a nerd on this is that they always used to only catch them at night and they also used to always think they only feed at night and typically they feed on on, on like squid uh, but you know everything else because they're just the badass ones in the ocean and they ever they never really knew where they went during the day, and it was probably about twenty years ago. Um, there was a guy down in Venezuela trying to catch grouper, and he was actually putting rocks in a bag and, and dropping it down because he was getting bigger grouper. And then he caught a swordfish, and he's like, "Ah, like this is where they are during the day. They go go to depth. They go to the bottom, and they use that shovel, big fat bill, and they're shoveling crustaceans out of the bottom or grabbing bait down there. And then yeah, there was a wicked cool guy in Isla Mirada in Florida named Richard Stanzik who figured out how to do it or read that story figured out to do it there and now there's a full-on fishery on the east coast and and I'm a nerd trying to do it in Canada now so (laughs) so long answer but like you asked it man and it's like I'm super passionate so one that that's the fish the one I've never caught oh I don't know. Um, I've been so fortunate. I'd say just more the style of catching it for me. Um, 
you know, I caught East Coast, like Antigonish, you know, I've been lucky to lock horns with like a 900 pound bluefin tuna. Yeah, obviously nice. harvest it. That was just sheer power. Uh, I don't know. God, it's uh, it's more about location, right? For me, it's uh, well. Here it is. You'll have Cayman, to come came in, came in, maybe. I don't know, right? Like there, there's, yeah. I don't know. That's that's a good one. I'll come back to that maybe. But um, swordfish on other parts of the planet would really be cool, right? Um. Because, like I say, I think uh, I'd like to lock horns with like a really big beast. The four hundred was really cool, and um, but going to Chile and stuff like that, where uh, they're known to have really large swordfish and catch them there, would be amazing. It's like once you catch one of those, it's hard to go anywhere else. Right. <laughs> like legit, I fought one that that fish for two hours and twenty minutes. Wow. Right. Two hours and twenty minutes stand up in the, straits of, in the straits of Florida with the OG like basically some people who basically pioneered fishing in, in the Straits of Florida who are on my team. And, you know, so I had the right people in the boat, working the boat, everything. And yeah, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but it was effing cool, man. Slept good that night, I bet. For me? Slept good that night, I bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, like legit, like <laughs> training camp, VO2, VOT, you know, uh, wing gates, all these things you do, right? You know, hockey player, you get punched in the face for a living. But like legit, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Like I it was a full body shake because I'm stubborn as all shit. And I'm like, no effing way am I handing this rod off, right? Like I'm not, <laughs> not getting defeated. No F, like no, it's not even in a conversation. Legit, it started with my arm shaking, shoulder, back, legs. Like we got video of it, my legs just going. <laughs> I just couldn't stop shaking. One, the adrenaline, but two, it's, that's how hard it was. Like it was legit. And and yeah, like I said, I could nerd out on this. They're highly intelligent. Like it's not like oh, fish. It's like eh, 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 yeah. salmon in the other way. Like hey, you, something has me. It's like, no, you have me, mother effer, right? You yeah, yeah. charge the boat, broke its bill on the boat, right? Like, it's, they're, they're badass. Like, like I say, if you're not familiar with them, go Google them, right? Yeah. They, Enlighten us on uh, on what, like, uh, one of those big Chilean uh, swordfish would weigh in at. Like a big one? Like, yeah. Well, they get over the grand. Like, they get over a 1,000 pounds. Like you, like, you think about that, it's nuts. And you're, like, using, like, technology has allowed it to come a long ways without going too far in this rabbit hole. But like the OGs, like that Richard Stanzik, now his son, Nick is arguably the best sword fisherman on the planet. Well, he is. And, you know, you're dropping 2000 feet. You guys hike, you're right. Yeah. You hunt cheat, right? Like, I don't care what you do is like, you go up to 2000 feet, you look down, it's a long ways. And, and in the Straits of Florida, they have the Gulf Stream, and that's why they're a lot in Florida, swordfish are there, because you have the Gulf Stream coming out of the Gulf, it runs all the way up and fans out up in Nova Scotia, and it's basically four knots of current, and it's an upwelling, what causes all the nutrients, and that's why swordfish are there. But you drop 2,000 feet with four knots of current, the <laughs> line ends up 8,000 feet over there. Right. Like you drop it in Florida, it ends up in Connecticut. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, but there's an art to it. And so when they started, they were using like big 400 pound fluorocarbon and it's obviously thick. And so it just take off. And actually, when they started this fishery 20 years ago, they dropped and they're like, oh, we're going to do this. And they're like, 
fuck it. Like it, it's, 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 it's not working. Like this it couldn't hit bottom. So then they got one twenties cause that's the real big, huge reels. And they're like, you know, 2000 feet, given this one coming back up with it. Right. They never touched bottom. Yeah. And they get it up to the surface and like, Holy shit. They had a juvenile, like 70 pound swordfish on like, Oh my God, they're here. And, and that's how the Straits of Florida is, you know, uh, arguably the best spot in the planet to catch a number of swordfish. I'm not saying the biggest swordfish, uh, because those guys just pioneered it. And then from there, they've changed their technique. So they're actually using a braid into fluorocarbon so that the braid obviously doesn't cut through, it cuts through the water better. So you don't scope out and you can actually like touch bottom. So it, it's a bit of an art doing it. Like you have to do it a bit. But you can actually touch bottom and, and you're dropping like 10 pounds of lead right pencil lead right right and uh yeah <laughs> your question is about my two fish i got on so you can tell where i'm at right <laughs> swordfish so yeah i uh yeah out west i've been uh, doing some weird stuff with my boat and i'll just say that um um I've certainly seen Elvis out here. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, thanks for tuning into the Swordfish Podcast with Willie. <laughs> okay, well, let's try to move on to the fourth question I have for you. Um, hey, you so, said answer. You said answer. Hey, so man, we'll, we'll, it. Take, we'll take it all. It's all interesting, okay. especially especially for us. We're prairie guys, right? Like We don't get to get yeah. to the ocean too often still. So finding out this information is awesome i yeah, love you, it where are you guys exactly in the prairies then uh right around winnipeg okay You're yeah the, yeah well I, I lived out in uh wilcox right so i was out there and then i lived in melford a little bit when i was younger oh, yeah. that's why i was asking them right. i was out there but just not as far as you guys right right yeah um next question if you had a hero or somebody that you've been looking up to for a while who who would you who would that be well uh my parents for sure um you know my grandfather has since passed away so my grandfather um uh lucky enough back in the day just had a passion of hockey um he had tried out in the original original six days with the rangers um lester patrick was running the team back then and you know it was pretty cool i, I actually still have it i don't know if i have it at this house but it uh i have that it's, one, it's actually more sacred than one of those things sitting over my shoulder is just because it just means more it's family. Um, but my, my grandfather, um, he was just a very personal human, genuine. He treated everyone with respect. No one was any different. It doesn't matter where they grew up, who they were, um, their wealth, anything. And I just admire that to, to the end. Um, and I had a special relationship with him because he lived every day of my uh, previous life. I called of the NHL because, you know, he, you know, typical dude. He was, you know, he, he got, you know, we're, we're, we're simple minded at times. Let's just say that in his early twenties, he uh, fell in love and, and uh, with my grandmother and, and he, and he quit the game of hockey, even though he had a tryout with the original six team and he never followed his passion. And back then it was different because there wasn't money. And it was like, what are you going to choose job, take a chance, go out to the, you know, New York. And, um, so he got assigned and he got signed to Buffalo back then. That was, that was actually the Rangers or Rangers farm team. And then he decided, no, I'm coming back home. But so certainly my grandfather and grandfather, uh, like I said, how he treats humans and then just, um, 
I just have a special connection with him. Uh, parents are always one, but then outside of that, that's a, it's a good question. Um, I know I've never been really asked that good, good, good podcast crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, like, you know, I gravitate to hockey because it was my whole life for a long period of time, but like Warren Buffett, man, like, just gave me a little FaceTime with that man and, and yeah. hear his story of being self-made and understanding budgets and, you know, time value of money. And, and, and certainly, uh, uh yeah, I, I think he'd be one I would love to sit down with for sure. Awesome. And, uh, my last question for you, I don't know if you're a big music guy, but if you could go to one concert live or dead, anybody you want, who would you go see? Who I haven't seen, uh, or maybe well, we'll actually again. live. I've never seen you too. Like Bono, my freaking wife in in Minnesota. I had like fourth row. It was preseason. We were going well, just south of you guys. We were going up to uh, North Dakota. Oh, yeah. uh, I was playing for the Minnesota Wild, and I had these tickets, and it was preseason. And I was like, "There's no effing way I'm playing this preseason game up here. It's a remote game," and I didn't play. But they made me go up to the, we, we had to go up and they were doing like, uh, they grabbed a few people to do just like some community stuff up there. And, you know, basically, you know, say hi to people and stuff like that. And so I had my fourth row tickets uh, to U2 and my wife jammed out to it and I didn't. And I've never seen them yet. And I want to do it, obviously, before any of them pass. So uh, that's my one for sure. I'm a monster Coldplay fan. I've been lucky enough to see Coldplay in the Hollywood Bowl. I've seen them like. Uh, filming their album where I knew one of the producers down in LA where I was just like, you know, it was 60 of us while they were filming. It was just, so okay. yeah, that, that's my one too. That's awesome. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, you made it through the five burning questions. Okay. Um, one of the, I think one I'm of the, if I go home now, no. <laughs> <laughs> bills in the mail, eh? <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, so, like we were kind of talking there earlier is that Chase and I, we don't know much about you other than yeah. uh, you're, you're playing hockey, doing the on ice thing. Um, but from our understanding from us, from a few of your friends and some other people is that you're big into the outdoors. You like the coastal fishing, obviously from our first five or any questions. Um, but how did that all start from you? Like the start at an early age being on the ocean or being outdoors fishing yeah. in the rivers, like how did that all start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm from the northeast side of Vancouver Island, obviously Pacific Northwest, backyard, forest, front yard, ocean. Um, very privileged that way and lucky. And, uh, uh, you know, I was a high energy kid. And so it was like, that's how I got into hockey. Um, and then certainly hockey through the winter and the summer. It's like, oh, what do you do up there? And so you know, it's, 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 it's not like now and it's changed. I'm, I'm in my early forties, but it was like, all right, just go play out in the front yard. Well, front yard was a forest. Right. Right. So, and now I'm older. I'm just like, I can't believe my parents did that. Right. All the, you know, where I grew up is the most densely populated area in the world for mountain lions. Right. <laughs> I, I think there's a cat. I think it's like one every seven square kilometers up there. Right. And it's just like, uh, but you know, I love for the outdoors is just being out there and playing. It was, you know, I was making my own tree forts, doing all that stuff. And then if you, you know, just went a little bit further, well, the ocean was right there. And uh, my father was, uh, you know, he, he moved remote, just, you know, mechanic, went to trade school and was like, oh, north end of the island, forestry. 
And then when he got up there, I think because you're isolated, it was like you either hunt or hunt and fish, right? He started to hunt, uh, couldn't do it, just didn't didn't work for him. It wasn't his jam. And then he went over to the fishing side. And then so obviously I got introduced to fishing via him and uh, um, spent a lot of time as a family on the boat exploring. And it's, you know, it's glorified camping up there because you're weaving through all these little islands and stuff and as a family and then uh, just loved it. And, uh, you know, continue to do it. The age of 12 was the first time I really took my boat out on my own. And, you know, it's a lot different than a lake, right? It's, it's a beast. It's an animal, the ocean, right? It, right. It, it, you get humbled quickly and guess what? You, you can die in a hurry, right? It's cold, right? We're talking, you know, today I was on the water. It's 53 degrees, right? You're, you're going to be dead and yeah, you got a life jacket. Great. They're going to find your body, right? You're dead in 20 minutes if you're in probably mm-hmm. maybe 30 if you're lucky. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, that's my jam. And, um, and I think I fell in love more and more with it as I got older, just because I had a life of uh, airplanes, hotels, uh, a, a lot of um, media, just a lot of pressure, and uh, the outdoors for me is, is my healing grounds. It's a, it's, a, it's it's stillness, it's a sense of place, and uh, yeah, I just love every minute of it. So that's pretty cool. There, I was just uh, kind of going through, kind of like your bio there that I could find online, and then you yeah. you went and played some hockey in Saskatchewan, went down to Clarkson University. Did you always try to find time to get outside and, you know, just get away from things? I know you, you alluded to the media and everything else and getting away from the busy life uh, later on, maybe in your career, but did that kind of just like was ingrained with you from start to today kind of thing? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think you're young, right? So you're young and you just like, uh, you want to prove your worth, right? And so the worth in my family was like, oh, could I fish, right? So I was like, kind of got into it that way and got really good at it and and just did that. And, you know, it was, you know, all of us is like children. And, you know, my, my son's doing it now. I can see him. He's just like, oh, I want to do that to impress dad, right? You always want that unconditional love, right? And so it's like, oh, I'm going to try and do that. And so dad did that. So I, so I did it. And then, and then, yeah, I like I said, it just, it just, just, it was home. Right. And I traveled, I, I moved away from home at the age of 15. Right. Right. And so I didn't get to do a lot of the things normal kids do because I moved away from the age of home, uh, age of 15. And, uh, and so coming back in the summers, cause hockey was, you know, seasonally, right. It was, that's what I did, got to do and, and, and loved it. Cause I got to check out from the training, all the other stuff, went on with that life I lived and then yeah and then I uh, I didn't like I was I was in upstate New York and just never worked out on timing like up there by Oswego and stuff they have like an awesome like salmon fishery over there but I never got a chance to do it there but when I went to Albany because I played for the Devils when I first started pro and I went to Albany first because I signed up to a second year sophomore small engineering school called Clarkson and uh guy named Jordy Kinnear was a captain on the team who I ended up staying with my first year. He was a hunter and he was a turkey hunt. Right. So, Oh, nice. Right. So I got some time in the outdoors with him for sure. Um, and then, yeah, just after that, I'd always find it and I'd travel on the road. If we go into Denver, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go fishing, fly fishing there. And you know, there's, there's, there's yeah, I was a nerd that way. Guys would laugh. I'd fly into Van- <laughs> like, I'd go back to Vancouver and, yeah, I. <laughs> you're always praying for like, okay, I just played 
Edmonton the night before and I was like, okay, we're going to fly in, we're going to get the day off and then I'm going to jump out for the day and, and go fly fishing. And maybe even a few times in my pro career when they didn't give us a day off, I'd actually show up to the rink and hang my waiters in my stall to send a message. You should be on a day off right now. What are you thinking? <laughs> the boys would roar. They'd be like, are you kidding me, Mitchie? So I'd have my like the two hand spay rod and my waders and my boots sitting in the stall. Cause usually you have your stall of like gloves, helmet and everything like perfect. And then I'd put that in there and it was just like, I think I did that to Terry Murray when I was in LA. Cause he, yeah, he didn't give us a day off. We hadn't had one in forever. I was just trying to be like a little cheeky. <laughs> That's great. The, the, the thing is we've like, we had uh Jordan Tutu on before. And, he, and yeah. the one thing that, that kind of, I remember from that episode is that, he was telling us, I'm pretty sure he said it was him and Datsuk would like go to um, Cabela's or, or wherever and just like go in there and spend hours in, in all these different department stores, like outdoor department stores. But I guess my question for you would be like, did you, did you find that connection with a few guys on the teams you were at? Like, yeah. Like uh, find a couple of guys to get yeah, outdoors it's, with? It's funny you mentioned Toots because I don't know him. Like I, I, a guy named uh, uh, Scotty Upshaw, I know knows him well. And I played with Scotty at the end of my career and they're, they're, they're like tight mates. And, and right. he was just got a hold of me through the channels because that kind of world kind of was like, oh, Mitchie, like he's really into the outdoors and kind of into that adventure lifestyle. He was actually, <clears throat> they canceled, his wife canceled because the weather didn't look great in Tofino, but he was supposed to come out. I was going to go take him and, and do a bunch of fishing. So, yeah, nice. you, you always had people, um, you know, in Vancouver, I had a guy named Brendan Morrison who's a, a good mate, one of my dear friends. Um, he has a fishing show. Um I just didn't have time and space in my life. I, he asked me to do the show with him. I was just like, I just can't take that on right now. It wouldn't be fair to my family because I also was opening a business. Right. Um, but Brennan Morrison was my guy in Vancouver and we still, right. We were, we're scheming ways to do the next trip um, in Vancouver. There was a few guys. Cause I was, I think guys liked my passion for it. Like I went up to the pit river. It's a flight from Vancouver. It's the backside of Garibaldi Whistler and, I grabbed a bunch of the guys on the team. We went in because we had a day off and the next day was game day. Well, it was the middle of winter and we got snowed in. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about sweating it. No cell service, like it's a remote lodge, but my friend owned it and no cell service, no nothing. So like we could text out via sat, but the seaplane couldn't come in and grab us. Right. And <laughs> so we're stuck in there and like me, I'm like, whatever. Cause you know, you know, I played 10 years in the NHL. I'm just like doing okay. I knew like they're going to be mad, but guess what? Life's going to go on. But I remember a guy named Alex, Alex Edler is like, you know, he was like laying an egg, right. He was like a rookie. <laughs> His ass was just like puckered up. Like, I cannot believe this is going to happen. Right. And I'm just like, so the next morning we get up and we're like, you can actually, boat across pit lake and get to pit meadows and then drive in so we get up really early but we you're doing the time frame because the you know obviously little daylight at that time of year through the winter and you're like shit even if we get up early take the boat across have a car waiting for us we're not getting a morning skate it's game day <laughs> <laughs> like legit we're not getting there and, you know, we want to call, but then we also think we have a chance at it. And yeah, so we ended up 
luckily enough, the plane got in the next morning because the snow, like, you know, stopped and, and we got out and got there and we were late. Like we were 40, 40 minutes before morning skate. We showed up and got there. We got shit, but we got out on the ice and then played later that night. But yeah, that's what, that was me. Trade deadline. Same thing as, you know, some people sit around and TV, watch it. You always got the day off on trade deadline. Everyone did every team. Right. So I'm like, well, guess what? I come home. I might be traded, might be not, but at least I'm not going to burn a day off. I just go fishing. Everyone would laugh. I'm like, well, why sit there, wait around and figure out if like your life's moving or changing? At least like, you know, live it, right? Live, you know, live, live your adventure. And so that's, you know, but yeah, I had that. And then it was ironically weird. I finished in Florida. Um, part of that was um, a bunch of decisions, but I also knew going there, they had good fishing. <laughs> that's part of the reason why I went there, being honest. And then Aaron Eckblad, uh, who was a, a rookie at the time, we took him in to live with our family. And you know, he'd come with me once in a while. And I was saying to him, now I'm like, what the hell? And now he's like diehard fisherman there. He's like oh, getting no into it. Oh, yeah. He's like really into it. But at the time, he was just like so-so with it with me. But I think he just probably understood why I did it, I think. You'd have to ask him. I've never even really asked him that. But, you know, it's what we talked about earlier. For me, it's it's disconnect, right? It's a place of just being and sometimes in life, whether it's a father, uh, boss, business owner, um, husband, right? There, there's pressures, there, there, there's stuff, and there's level expectation of being on. And when you go out there, and most of my stuff is like on the ocean, offshore, there's no cell phone, no nothing. It's just a place of being. And I love it because even the people, you know, I'm on the boat with, we can dive into deep conversations with challenge each other about the things we do. I work some, with some filmers and and they're hunters. I, I don't hunt. I, guess what? I'm the first person to say, hey, give me some goddamn venison, man. Right? It's freaking yeah. tasty. <laughs> I just can't do it. I, can't, I, couldn't, I couldn't shoot Bambi, right? And, and that's, that's a good thing because if there's, a, you know, everyone hunted, well, then guess what? There'd be no animals left on the planet. So that's creating the balance. And, uh, but we also challenge each other because guess what? I do hunt. It's called salmon. It's called swordfish, right? It's just a different way. I'm, I, that's on land. That's in the ocean. And sometimes that thin blue line masks what we're doing out there, right? It's out of sight, out of mind, right? right. Grab a tuna and put it over the rail, and there's more blood from a tuna than shooting an elk. Right. And, and so that's what I love out there is I get around different people. and We challenge each other about the decisions we're making, how we're doing it in a very healthy way. But it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a good hot stove. It's a good podcast, right? It's like, you're out there doing those things. And, and I, I like that. I like that place. And, uh, and a lot of times in life, you don't, there's too many distractions. So those things can't happen. And so that's why it's a big vehicle for me. And then, and I think the mental health aspects of it are just, you know, the best. So it's interesting yeah, I, the way, the way you talk about, uh, I'm listening to you engage in like, uh, this conversation about, you know, chasing, uh, swordfish and tuna and like, and it's all kind of relating to me. Cause I'm, I'm, I, I would consider myself more hunter than fisherman, although I'm doing more fishing than hunting currently. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's, how old's your kids? Uh, two and four. Oh, there you are. Cause, cause the hunting takes, it's a bigger window fishing. Yeah. You can jump out for two or three hours right exactly we got some world-class you, you gotta go for like a couple days right exactly we got some world-class river fishing right out my door here so i, oh, I nice. i've been trying to get out there a couple times a week but but um like back to like the the relating to everything and you're talking about how how you're um 
you're pretty much hunting these these big fish and that's that's yeah. that's your big game man and that's that's my world in the hunting world is my i love hunting big game i still do the duck hunting i still do the upland hunting which is kind of sounds like the salmon fishing to you where you're just yeah. you know it's still awesome to do but if you're if you're game. going out for one last one last hunt you're going after the big stuff yeah and, that's and, cool. and i like it because i don't know i find it evolves for everyone right is you know, my dad was a simple man and I admire him so much from a, a harvest standpoint, you know, like, you know, my family, we eat salmon because uh, uh, he didn't have a lot of money and he was also freaking cheap and uh, sometimes penny wise pound foolish because how much gas he was probably burning going out there chasing after salmon. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, we live in a cool spot on the planet, right? We, we were, you know, arguably the best place in the world to catch giant salmon. Uh, we were an hour and a half run from it. It's a place called Rivers Inlet. Uh, notoriously known for the biggest salmon in the world because they have the genetic disposition where they're like a seven, eight year cycle salmon versus traditionally they're like a four year. So you have these monster fish in there would get up to a hundred pounds. And, um, we did that. And I remember he was, everyone would look at us. We'd be over the side of the boat, catch this fish, leave it in the water, let it grab its oxygen and swim away. And I remember asking my dad, well, why? He's like, Oh, I just, I don't know. We'll just take what we need. And man, if the whole world, if we did that, just took what we need. Right. And instead of being like, oh, I want this, like, you know, to be like, oh, I caught this about the ego side of it. And so, but, it, but these are the conversations I drive into with my boys, the filmers is just like, oh, guess what? I'm a salmon fisherman. And then you let them go. So effectively you're toying with its life and then being like, Hey, see you later. Right. And then I challenge back and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, there's mortality with that. It's probably somewhere around 10%, right. Mm -hmm. Those salmon. But, you know, if I killed everything I kept, well, certainly or caught, that wouldn't be good, right? Yeah. So I just take what I need, right? And then I struggle with that because it is a sport. You're sport fishing. You're playing with a life. Uh, um, and so we challenge you, like, you know, because, you know, I'm like, you guys hunt bear? Like, right? Yeah. It's like spring bear, I guess, is a good bear. I, I'm learning off of them too, right? But it's like, and that's, and that's where it's like balance, right? Is I don't think we should all be. Uh, uh, quick to judge people you try and do your best and you know how it is you guys if you're a big game hunter and stuff uh, you know it's you're often the advocates for the big game everyone looks at them as like oh they're killing them all off but you're also the ones who like you probably heard me about swordfish right. yeah and you know i i do i you know I, i'm a nerd that way i tag them like the people in florida like florida sport fishing magazine the lead editor and photographer there they came on a shoot with us and it was foreign to them. No one was doing it down there. I was the first to do it. And what's cool, he's wrote like three articles on it and has changed the face of it down there that it's okay to let him swim away. And um, because effectively everyone was down there keeping it for the, the rostrum, the bill, hmm. right? They're real cool, right? right. Uh, they decompose and then you can like have an artist paint them and stuff. They're like really cool. And it's kind of like, the trophy on the walls you have all these in your basement or whatever right and it was just like it was kind of cool because like i didn't intend to do that i was just kind of because of my dad just take what you need a 90 pounder for my family is all i need for a year why am i taking the rest and so i just let them swim away and 
kind of fostered this whole thing. It's kind of cool. And that they're actually doing like university of Washington is doing a tagging program down there. What kind of got inspired out of this. And, uh, it's kind of changing the face of that relationship down there in South Florida with like big game, as you said, but big game sports fishing. And now that demographics saying, Hey, guess what? And technology has allowed that is like, even if it's for ego, still get an awesome video or photo and you can tell how effing big it was. Right. And it's, and you're almost, you know, in the, our world, because it's in the ocean, it's like, you just sh shook hands with a freaking like gladiator. Mm -hmm. right and said thanks for the fight man right like see you later right and that's you know it got me chills even just saying that to you right now it's a pretty effing cool thing to do right and i don't know like i said i'm not a hunter uh, you know I, i'd assume that's like you know elk right getting the call the ruts on bring it in oh, it's there and then <laughs> not shooting it just letting it walk away and you like oh i had you if i wanted you right yeah. <laughs> i don't know but so it's, it's usually the other way it's like is it i, 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 want, I wanted you and i screwed up again and i don't know because like i couldn't do it but you know and it's you know like a mountain lion i'm in the area we grew up it's the most densely populated area in the world and i have a, I've, uh, I've, i've seen three in my life i'm age 44 and like flashes and they're just beautiful i want to see them in the wild so i want to grab i know a guy who has some hound dogs you shoot them up in the tree in the winter because you can find their trail and i would love to do that shoot up a tree and just sit there and be like six feet away from me hissing at me and it's just like that's my bucket list for me is to do that but i couldn't kill it especially them because you're not eating it right but anyways I'm, i'm a nerd with this shit as you guys can tell <laughs> <laughs> but I, but i think it's all it's it's life And it's challenging myself in life. And I think if you're in a place where you're challenging yourself with what you're doing, then, then you're in a good spot. If you're just taking a life or doing these things and not questioning how you're doing it, um, how I can do it better, or at least having the discussions. And I just, I just, I just don't think that's respectful to, to any of it, to, uh, to those you maybe oppose opinion to, or to the life that you're taking. Right. Yeah yeah for sure and you know there's a there's something to be said there too about about all that just like with taking a life and with hunting and fishing it's basically the same thing and i agree with a lot of the things you've been saying the one thing you did mention um and that i kind of want to circle back to sure. um i have we've had a few you know retired athletes on the on the podcast and i have to ask about some of the mental health things Just sure. because I know as an avid hockey fan and, and sports fan altogether, you always see athletes in the sport and like not necessarily dealing with um, whatever injuries or, or whatever they have going on in their lives. And I know like for me, I've run into a lot of problems and troubles uh, throughout my life. And one of the biggest things that helped me get through a lot of problems was just going and sitting in a tree stand and just watching nature, you know, or sitting yeah. in a boat with your buddy and shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, but you had some, you had some concussion concussions going yep. through the NHL and yep. can, did you kind of relate that with? I, with I, oh yeah. I connect with you. Like I did I, internally. I just wanted to like spit out because yeah, it's yeah. Such a powerful thing. And I hear what you're saying and feel what you're saying, what, what it does for you. Right. right. And that's what it does for me. And, you know, I, I had ultimate low in my life, uh in 2010 in december i was playing for the vancouver canucks i remember i just got this cool photo where i'm like i scored against pittsburgh and crosby has his head sulking down and i can see his number on the back perfectly and i'm like giving a, 
awesome one-handed pump. It's like one of my best photos in my pro career. <laughs> and 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 later, and ironically enough, that was the last game I ever played in a Vancouver Canucks uniform. And because uh, I got hit by, from behind by uh, Malkin, and my life got taken away from me for ten and a half months, and it was horrible. Right? I I, I couldn't have a conversation like I am with you right now. I I, I uh, uh, like right now chatting with you guys. The world of Zoom. I can hear my fridge, the compressor going on in the background. That would be like like nails on a chalkboard. I'd have to go run to the other room and hide and turn the lights off and dark. And everyone calls that depression. And I call it bullshit. It's just called, I just couldn't do it. And it's, it's almost like you're autistic. Right. And like, and, and on the spectrum. Right. And, and so that was 10 and a half months. And I remember, cause you know, I was having my best year, you know, uh, uh, you know, playing, you know, living out my boyhood dream. I, I dreamed of playing for the Vancouver Canucks uh, on the last year of my contract. I think I had five goals by Christmas. And I was known as a stay-at-home defenseman. The year before, I did really well too. I had like twenty-three or twenty-four points. So you know, I would have signed a big ticket and got really paid well. And then next, you know, it took it away. And then the first bit, you're you're stressing because you're like, oh, I gotta get back a contract, all that. And actually, I got to this point, and this is where where I'm looting coming into your question is, I got to this point where I just was like, fuck it, and 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 I didn't care about a contract. I didn't care about playing in the NHL. I didn't care about anything except getting my life back. And so that was Olympics year in 2010. Vancouver Canucks, Olympics year, thin Vancouver. I got front stage passed at every sporting event to the Olympics. How many people have that in their life, right? I had it. Guess what? Couldn't do it. My friend, I have a good friend who played baseball, he was pretty good, named Justin Morneau. He's like one of my best friends. And he, he came out, he was staying with me for the whole Olympics. We were going to do it together. And guess what? I couldn't do it. Like, I remember like the building I was in, Dead Mouse. So there was a concert, David Lamb Park. I'm in the building and I can hear the music. And I just like start crying. I just couldn't do it. And then I left. And I left to home. And where I grew up, northeast side of Vancouver Island, I had a small little place that I bought when I started pro there, like a little cabin. Up there, I knew exactly what I was going to do grab my waders, grab my fishing rod and walk up and down that riverbank here in the water, run across the rocks, wind in the trees, no car, no radio, no nothing. And guess what? None of those noises were like nails on a chalkboard. It was music. Right. And, uh, and guess what? All of a sudden it was like, all of a sudden I was like, holy shit. I don't have, I'm not having a headache here. I'm not having this. And so I'd still have headaches at a portion of the day. Then I had little glimmers where I'd have a portion of the day. I didn't have headaches. Right. And then all of a sudden it went away. And, uh, and I remember that. And like I said, that's, you know, effectively it was about seven and a half, eight months in. It's a long time to be like that. And I think it was one of the best gifts I ever had in life because a lot of people can have some chronic illness and it never goes away. Right. Mine went away and it was the most beautiful gift I ever had at the time. It was obviously tough sledding. I almost get emotional talking about it, but it allowed me to um, appreciate life and just everything it uh, has to offer. And don't, don't uh, uh, take that for granted. And I know that's so effing cliche, but after you go through that bullshit, man, it's just like, 
no, no. And so now, you know, my wife will say, well, Willie, you don't have to do it all in it. Like, yeah, you retired and four years ago, you don't have to make up for it. And, but no, who knows what happens tomorrow? So I, I try and do everything I can, anything that I want to do. I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do it. And you know, it's, 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 it's funny. We chatted earlier and I was just like, you know, I, I'd like to get my fixed wing. I'd like to be a pilot, right? I want to do these things in life, but nature has this just beautiful ability. Uh, and, and I don't think we really understand how much, like I did hyperbaric chamber in Vancouver. I think I did like 26 appointments sitting in the chamber. I did, I, I, I did uh, ugh, everything, massages, everything. And, and no one has answers for neurological stuff. I actually had my carotid artery. <laughs> Fuck, it's nuts. I have my carotid artery because your body has uh, neural processors. Your body's a nervous system, you know? Why do you think that, you know, salmon sandwiches for me, it's like nostalgic right away, even though it was, you know, 30 something years ago, because those neural pathways have created, mm-hmm. goes right back to it. That's how, right? It's the imprint, right? Yeah. And so with me, um, when you're in this chronic state of pain, it just stays in it too. So how do you get out of it, right? It's almost like you got to trample the grass and then get over it. And so that's what I did is I, I started to train again. And as long as my symptoms didn't get worse, I kept doing it. And then eventually it went away. And then um, remember free agency started in July and I had teams call me. I was just, I was honest. I was just like, cause I, like I said earlier, I didn't care about hockey anymore. I just cared about my life. And I was like, sorry, I can't. And then once I got better then I uh, entertained offers. And that's how I ended up going from Vancouver uh, down to Los Angeles. I had a few other teams. I flew down to do medical stuff and whatever, but nature is, uh, yeah, it's powerful, right? There's a lot of other things out there. Doctors are quick to prescribe X, Y, Z, but uh, I think uh, a place of stillness and not overloading that nervous system. Uh, but then I'm also weird like that. Our body's full of like positive charges. And I go float in a thing that's full of negative charges because it's full of minerals called the ocean, right? And the, the freshest air because the ocean, right? And so it's like, the power of that it's real (laughs) that's why i'm in tofino right i I call it my healing grounds and i'm not effing because i can look out my window right now and this is called mirrors island thanks to uh first nations Uh, they had the war of the woods there people tied themselves to trees it's an old growth forest and on the front of it it's mighty pacific i couldn't breathe fresher air in the world than here Right. And I just feel so blessed to have that because of think what it does for me and, and my health. That's amazing. I, uh, I love hearing you, you, uh, talk about your experiences and kind of how it all ties back to your, you know, your younger years when you were kind of first introduced growing up in this world, um, of the outdoors and the ocean and fishing and, and everything. Um, I'm very curious though, cause like, I always think about this for some weird reason, like these, these sensory memories that I have when, and when I either hit the water or I'm in the woods or whatever it may be. And there's always like one thing that, that pops up, whether it's like a a noise, a smell or, or the way something looks that instantly like takes me back to my childhood in the woods with, with my dad or whoever it was. And I'm curious, like, is there anything that sticks out to you? Like every, every time you hit the water or, Anything like that that brings you back? Yeah, well, yeah. Like as soon as you say that, that's awesome. I, yeah, I haven't really reflected this way in a while, and it's like, yeah, when you said that, and and a new parent as you are, 
and my, my son's me, <laughs> he's a hundred miles an hour, uh, vibrates, you know, six 30 in the morning, right till eight 30 at night, like vibrating. And I actually get him on the water and I have this like pretty badass open boat. Um, most people would be pretty envious to have my boat. And then luckily enough, I still have, uh, my father's boat. I bought it off of him. Nostalgic, smaller boat, cutty cabin turn that engine this is where i'm getting at the nostalgic <laughs> turn the engine and that damp cold morning but still warm feel of sleeping in a cuddy cabin in a boat in your sleeping bag that's nostalgic as all hell for me and so seeing that like my son go figure is like you know most people would you know just die to go on my cool boat i have now which i was lucky enough to get because i chased rubber around for a living but I go on this small 21 foot Grady White and my kid just loves it. He doesn't want to go on my boat. He wants to go on that boat. Right. Nice. And I, I don't think he doesn't even know that it's Papa's old boat. Right. But that's what I love. The nostalgic piece to it is like, here's this kid loving this boat. He doesn't really know the history yet. He will drive that boat. It'll be three generations. Right. Cause it's still in great shape. Just repower it. But he goes right up to the cutty. He's got his freaking life jacket on and he falls asleep. He won't fall asleep anywhere, but he falls asleep on there because guess what he feels? That coldness, that vibration in the boat, all those like feels that I had as a kid, right? I know exactly what puts him to sleep up there, right? And it's just like, that's awesome. Like that's, you know, you know, as a father, that's just, you know, it takes you back down that road and you relive all those memories uh, that you had with your family when you'd basically, you know, camping on the water, we do it over the weekend, you know, we'd leave on the Friday, for, stay Friday, Saturday night, come back home Sunday, work was Monday for dad. And so, yeah, that, that's, that, that vibration, that damp coldness in, in the morning. Yeah. It gives me all the feels. Awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, yeah. And actually to kind of move forward here, you kind of alluded to playing in LA, going down to LA. You won two Stanley Cups there. We kind of talked about it briefly, but the second time you had the cup, you got to take it to a special place, which I'm assuming for you. Does that kind of tie into everything that we've been kind of talking about? It's just you finally got to do something for you. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Like, um, uh, yeah, I don't know who you guys have had on the on, on the podcast, but like. <laughs> You know, winning a Stanley Cup, uh, obviously it's you know boyhood dream, childhood dream. It was, oh, playing the NHL, and then I did that, and I scored, and then it was like, okay, you know, played a road hockey game, front yard, and all those things, and you're playing for it, especially being a Canadian kid, and then winning in 12. Your moment as a player, at least mine, and I'm assuming everyone else is the same, is that 20 seconds you hoist it over your head after you win – and I, you know, I've had this question asked a few times and it's flash frames my whole life in 20 seconds, but tack sharp, tack sharp. You know, that photo you look and some, you know, grizzly bears eyes, tack sharp like that. My whole life of every little obstacle in hockey or thing I had to overcome to get there, tack sharp, just going. It was so like amazing. Like I, like, I hope I'm doing it justice, but it was like just just this euphoric feeling. And then, you know, you see your parents up there and you hoist it, and you know that they're there. But um, and then after you get your day with it. Right. And I'm remote. 
and older when I want it. So everyone gets a day. Well, guess what? If I, if, if it comes from, I think Colin Fraser is North in Alberta. I forget where Colin's from. It was coming from him to me in BC. Well, you know, he finished yesterday night with it or this morning it goes out and uh, jumps on the airplane, then gets to Vancouver. I'm so remote that I get it. Well, I'm getting it three o'clock. That's not my day with the cup. That's my afternoon, my night with the cup. Right. So I got two days each time. So I got that half and the next full day. So I got two nights, both times. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So the first one I, you know, I, I spent some time in the community, uh, took it out fishing um, on that boat. I was just talking about with uh, uh, my son. That was pretty amazing. Caught a bunch of code didn't land that big Chinook I was hoping for with it, but it was pretty damn cool. Just sitting there foggy morning coming off the water and just looking beside me at the Stanley cup. It was cool. So I did that. That was kind of my one moment for me. And then, you know, we zipped it up to the top of the mountain because I was lucky enough to uh, know a good helicopter pilot and, uh, and had a really awesome moment up there with uh, what we talked at the top of this about with a nice bottle of champagne. Right. And uh, it was just me, my mom and dad, uh, my wife and her mom and dad and uh, uh, Peter Nori, who was a helicopter pilot. And uh, yeah, it, it was pretty damn cool. And then, and then second time, uh, I want to do something different and just cause it was a different journey, different, uh, 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 challenges with that. And the second time I, uh, my grandfather, who I was t- talking about earlier, he's my biggest fan. And, uh, so I surprised him. He had no idea. And I just showed up at his house with it and it was awesome. That's <laughs> so, yeah, some really cool photos. And then, so I did that at the front side of the day. Cause I, I, <sighs> aviation world i know a few people in there so i did that the front side of the day and the back side of the day we flew it into vancouver and we uh, uh had a couple of machines and we we took it up to this pit river and a real awesome photographers and i'm a guy named jeremy kresky uh, um at the time i i just didn't really know him but i liked his work and i said uh, would you come shoot and uh i think he had a shoot for pelican or something like that at the time and he squeezed it in and i got this like awesome photo of um, floating in a water master down a canyon it's glacial fed and the cup keeper was like put a effing life jacket on it really like because the <laughs> cup stinks in like seven minutes right and i'm like yeah 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 and, okay shuttle everyone down the other side so they're not in the shot like through the canyon he left right life jacket off that thing as quick as i could because <laughs> i knew it wouldn't show up in the photo right otherwise you wouldn't be able to tell it's a stanley cup because we've got a life jacket on i was like if it goes in i'm jumping in with it like you'll be fine right and then so i put the life jacket on myself where it should have been anyways and I, I floated it through and they were you know the rotor wash on me holy shit i was going down the river it almost pushed me back up the river there's so much rotor wash <laughs> and so he's hanging he had a like a harness and he was hanging out of the helicopter jer was and he got this photo like looking down at me and my water master at the stanley cup awesome yeah that's amazing. those are my like you talk about nature and outdoors and and like i said i'm lucky enough to know a few people so we had a few machines up there we leapfrogged the river a few times just kind of had some charcuterie some food out and 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 some booze and we and we fly fished with it uh, fishing for uh, bull trout right and uh nice. And then my friend who owned the lodge up there, his brother was, uh, uh, they were clip jumping in a canyon and it, something bad. Well, yeah, he became a quadriplegic. He actually lived up there. Biggest hockey fan ever, though. Like knowledgeable hockey fan. 
And so the Stanley Cup, when you get it for the day, it's all about the gifts other people give you. And so like uh, that's what I was saying is like your times when you lift it. And sure, those are the cool moments what can live on forever, those pictures. But it's actually about those that you get to spend it with and share it with. And the surprises, 12, I, you know, I, I was about to leave where I was fishing on the ocean and some guy had been fishing. He, you know, he was just there fishing. He had no clue the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the grown man was crying. I gave it to him. I said, here give it a go. Let's chuck it up over there. And then Freddie on that trip, he it was the most beautiful, unexpected gift. Cause you know, I bring it in there and he's like, Holy cow. Cause same thing. They had no clue. I surprised him and we're about to walk out and he goes, Oh, Willie, bring it over here. I'm like, okay. And he goes, I want to feel it. And I'm like, okay. And I, you know, almost forgot in the moment. Right. And he's like, no, right here. Cause that's the only place he could feel in his face. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about powerful, right? So it's funny, right? And it's like, so, you know, those moments with the cup, yours is there, but the the joy or the things that you get to give to other people on that day is just effing awesome, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky, lucky to, lucky to be able to do that for sure. Well done, man. Yeah. It was fun. Just, yeah. Cool. (laughs) Like I said, not just, like I said, it just kind of happens, right? And that's what's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, L.A., go figure. You said about L.A., L.A. at the Cup. Uh, you had anyone talking on about the Cup before? No. L.A.? No, oh, my God, L.A.? You know, L.A., you think Hollywood? We lived in Venice Beach. Venice Beach, like, you have the Bloods, the Crips. Like, they're, like, there. Like, it's legit, you guys. And most lived in Manhattan Beach on our team. So we have the Cup Keepers, you know, white gloves. Ironically enough, the cup travels around in a freaking minivan, you guys, right? <laughs> you think it'd be like, you know, Brinks, right? And rigid, because the, there's a bunch of cups, but the, the real cup goes around in a minivan. And they're like, first time winning, they're like, hey, Willie. Like, I'm like, it's fucking Venice Beach. Like, no one cares, right? Like, no, you know what hockey is. We pulled this thing because me and my wife wanted to photo below the Venice Beach sign. Used to anchor our time, like, because we lived there. It was a really cool, eclectic area. Right. They said, yeah, no, no, no. We pulled it out. Buses stopped. Like, you know, you know, people who are, you know, bums, I'll say, right? It's like everyone, next you know, is mayhem. And that power, <laughs> like the power, because the history of the Stanley Cup is so effing cool. It's bigger than Gretzky, bigger than Orr, big, bigger than anyone. It's the biggest right. thing in hockey, right? And the power and magnitude of that. One, I got a little teaser that day, but that, that's what I was saying is like that day fishing in 12 with Freddie up there and the power of that. Cause it's like, you know, the guy lives up in the middle of nowhere. He's going to die there. Right. He's a quad. Right. And just the gift that it gave a man like that. Right. Where he got to touch Stanley cup. Like that's what I'm saying. It's, it, it's a real cool treasure. And, um, you know, Canada's lucky to have something like that. So iconic. Yeah, that's super. That's super cool, man. I'm just like sitting here and just in awe, just listening to you talk, man. It's that's one of those things you don't get to hear much about, right? And especially when you can you can share those experiences with people that that your family and people that you love and everyone else. Yeah. Um, we're kind of getting close to the end here, and uh, sure. it's kind of the way it's the way the podcast is going. Now that you've uh, won the Stanley Cup, you've you've done all that. You retired from hockey. Now, what are you doing? You got uh, you got a little around, chase around two kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> COVID, COVID equal coverage, right? My in-laws, my wife's from Minnesota, um, so obviously in the world we're living in, no travel right through the border. Um, 
my parents in the early seventies, my mom was super worried about COVID. You know, everyone has their own way of looking at it. And uh, so they didn't really travel to see us. And so we had a newborn in Lassa, de December 12th and uh, in Vancouver. And uh, so it was, you know, it was weird, right? It was like, um, you know, I go to the hospital, we ended up having a more complicated birth than the first one. And it's like, you know, my oldest son Paxton, he couldn't even meet his brother Hayden, right? It's like, oh, here, we're home. <laughs> Here's your brother, right? <laughs> like not even like in the hospital so he can start to process it. But yeah, it's been being a dad because equal coverage, mom's, uh, we're breastfeeding. And so mom's on the boob with the little one. And I'm like 6.30 in the morning, my kids, you know, hammering on the forehead and said, dad, dad, it's morning, it's time to go. And so <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's the life I'm living now. And, um, um, in my own insecurities in life, I wasn't great at school. And, uh, uh, after hockey, I had a friend who, uh, through philanthropic things, a pretty successful businessman said, Hey, uh, do you want to buy a resort? And I bought a resort in Tofino. Um, uh, that was certainly a, been a fun adventure. Um, so I, kind of you get to be known when you play sports is like, Oh, it's Willie Mitchell, the hockey player. And I was my own insecurities. Like I say, we have our own stuff. I just want uh, people to know me outside of being a hockey player and have a little bit more depth to that. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to be a badass entrepreneur and uh, bought the business. Uh, it was an older uh, property that uh, needed some work. So we put a bunch of capital in it, restructured it and, uh, yeah, so running just a, it's like a 63-room resort in Tofino. I'm the managing partner. I actually slid into ops for a year because um, I let someone go. It was probably the best thing I ever did because I really understand the business through and through now. So now I can call uh, bullshit on the guy there. But I can also be, but I also be empathetic because we employ 115 people, right? right, um, right. It's, it's a big business and uh, just learning the org charts and reporting structures and all that. So I do that. Um, and then just follow my passions and my passions, what we've talked about a lot here is just, everyone says Willie fishing and it's like, no, it's, it's, it's really, it's fishing's my vehicle to, uh, disconnect and adventure. Like, and I think for me, I, because I had a, uh, a lifestyle of, uh, a lot of adrenaline, like professional sports, you know, it's like over time, everything, I need a little bit of that, but I also need to disconnect. And so. You know, like now, you know, everyone laughs here. I, you know, spend a lot of times 80 miles offshore off Topino. And people were like, well, you know, no one was ever doing that much before. But it's like, you know, I leave a rainforest and I go out to the blue water and I catch tuna, right? Um, you know, even now we're getting yellowtail because the, the world's warming and stuff. Right. So just doing weird shit. Learned how to free dive. I love that just because connection to, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of like, meditative in a sense right because you have to control your breath really bring your heart rate down sense of place you actually dive down on living reefs and like see everything functioning so it actually treats you a little bit more respect for that just shit like that just try to have fun and just enjoy it and try and do that full circle life where it's like forage off land or sea and then eat it and i just feel like lucky to be able to do that and do it with my family and uh and have some fun along the way doing it that, that's life for me i just I did a lot of hockey. So, you know, I had the opportunity to do that after hockey when I retired too, because of, uh, I retired because of concussions and, 
just for me, I felt like it was a layup. It'd be boring. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm talk about hockey the rest of my life? I just did that for like 30 years, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I was out of the gate there. I had an opportunity with a big network down states. And then I just said no. And, and it's been an awesome decision just enjoying life in a cool spot on the planet and continue to try and do it. Yeah, probably one of the nicest nicest spots on the planet. One of the nicest spots in Canada, I think, for sure. Yeah, we like to say, right? We like to say from the marketing side, right? It's the only beach in Canada, right? We call it the Malibu. <laughs> it's the Malibu of the North, right? <laughs> well, it's becoming that way. It's so unaffordable now. It's really like we have a lot of problems, even though it's an amazing spot is you basically have the have and have nots, right? Because it's so wealthy now because right. much of the rest of the world is inflation and, you know, but it's really you, you kind of have people with secondary homes you have working holiday people which are kids you know coming to work here to surf and adventure but then that great middle uh young professional type really hard to keep them here just because right. of housing right they can't live a house mm -hmm. and then they're not going to live in staffacom because guess what i got i'm married with my wife or kids but then they can't afford a home right so they got some problems we got to figure out but yeah cool spot though for sure and we feel very uh fortunate to live here Nice. And the, the, I guess my kind of follow-up question to that, um, you're, you're kind of doing a little bit of work with the oceans too. And like, I don't know, I was kind of reading some stuff like, uh, like doing fundraising and, and doing some events to kind of help out with what your kind of your business is all about now. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Thanks for asking. Like, um, yeah, I, I think uh, you have a social, uh, I don't know, just, I just believe I have a responsibility to, um, you know, we, by nature of who we are, we, we're a resort and marina, 63 rooms. We have 56 slips. We do fuel. We do salmon fishing. We do bottom fishing for halibut, lingcod. We do tuna. We do all that. And and we try and do it a different way. Like I was alluding to earlier, we talked about a bit is like, I, the first thing I did is took the scale off the docks. I said, we're, we're, we're not, we're not doing this for ego. We're going to do this for, uh, you know, food. Right. And, and, and I do go out there and, sometimes catch fish and don't bring it back for food because I am a sports fisherman. But what I'm not trying to do is promote, you know, every last fish in the ocean coming, like the, the photo of fish slapped all over the docks. That's not what I'm into. So we're trying to do it a different way. And yeah, we, we, yeah, we started a uh, fish for the future fund here and uh, we do it for Clackalot sound. It's uh, wild sound protection. Uh, our stocks in the sound are quite low, They're actually borderline extinct. And so we support restoration work. We do some enhancement. Um, and then we work with the, the local First Nations here because there's uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, suppression of their culture and, 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 and who they were back in the day. And we're trying to work with them. So we, like our business, we have 1% uh, of our revenue goes towards the enhancement, the salmon restoration side. And we, we give 1% to local First Nations as well to, uh, for what we believe is reconciliation. And we'd like to see, you know, um, them have a proper big house like they had back in the day. Right. Oh, so they you guys. resurrect their culture and, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, it's very few people speak the language, right? So now they have the resources to actually hire someone full time to teach kids language again. Right. And, so those are some important values to us. Uh, those are some of the things we're doing and uh, we do it because we want to do it. And, and yeah, it's just been fun seeing the benefits of that. And, you know, we're, we're still in the revenue generation mode. Like it's still like 
happening. We're still supporting a few things, but once we get to that critical mass, then we really feel like on the, on the, um, on the salmon side, that's when we really feel like we'll start to make some big strides. And hopefully that means that, you know, my, my son can enjoy uh, the beauty and everything. What kind of wild salmon is such a critical keystone species in the Pacific Northwest, right? It feeds our rivers, it feeds everything, the whales, bears, so on and so forth. And you lose that. I forget what the number, it's up over 200 species, what count on wild salmon. And so for us, it's just critical to keep that uh, well, food security is another thing. Right. And, right. you know, we talked about it earlier. It's like hunting. Well, guess what? And like, like I said, I just can't do it because I'm a wimp <laughs> on land. I want to be clear on land because I can do it on the ocean. Right. But guess what? It's the cleanest thing. You can best thing you can ever put in your body. You want to buy your factory meat? Right. So, you know, it's so I say that is like we're trying to do it also for food security. Right. To sit there and have a renewable resource with the cleanest protein on the planet, what's least evasive as, as far as our lands and to uh, forage it that way and just be respectable of the amount you forage. Well, guess what? That's the best thing we could ever do for their planet and for our health. Right. So that's why we're into it. Uh, and so you know, hopefully people connect with that and. Um, sometimes I always wonder is like, oh, how did I end up buying this effing resort, my own insecurities? But then also I feel like it's, I like showing people a good time. So it's like, oh, that's what hospitality, that's what a resort is. And then the other thing I like doing is trying to, because um, I feel like I went away to New York City, like New Jersey Devils, I started and I saw the city and then I came back home. And I appreciate home a lot after seeing a lot of the world. Right. So I feel like I have this real cool vehicle and tool to uh, 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 show people a different relationship with our lands in a way what's, uh, hey, guess what? I still travel the world. I still have my footprint, but doing it in a, in a, in a way that's as respectful as possible. I'm like, oh, that's why this all happened. Right. I have 63 rooms, which is 100 people. Our high seasons, uh, you know, 160, 170 days. That's a lot of people that we can have through our property and show them about, about a different relationship and then oh they connect with that and guess what that's probably really cool for the planet and and guess what they're gonna have a badass time doing it too so that's what we do yeah yeah i really i really enjoy how you uh, put that all together because like i know we talked before we started recording and you're like oh why'd you start your podcast and like some of the the roots that you're talking about right now is just like exactly why we did it cool. um, and a little different obviously a perspective but like we try to get those biologists on we try to get those scientists on or whoever to kind of educate more than just killing an animal right and we we promote we we like growing gardens and we promote food and like taking what you what you take from this earth and 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 eat it or or you know share it with your friends and family and awesome so everything you've been saying tonight has just been it's this has just been a wicked podcast I'm happy to hear you guys do that because that's what I believe. And I just think it's like, guess what? Life's about learning. And so like, and that's why I was joking around, but, but serious is like getting on a boat and where you're just like chatting about it and diverse people. It's like, you're challenging the way you're doing things. There's no right or wrong. We're all making the best decisions we can at the time. I think the people who are not challenging or not having those discussions, that's ignorance. And that's yeah. not a good route. Right. But if you're like doing it and you're challenging yourself along it, well, then that's the best like what else could you ask of your friends or your other people is like, they're, they're constantly reevaluating that. That means you're in a good place. Cause there is no like perfect answer to it all. Right. Well, you did, well, it is on the boat. You know what our answer is as Joe, my dad calls me as soon as COVID hits. 
Will, will you ask for it? I said, too many goddamn humans on the planet. That's the problem, right? <laughs> and he's like, well, you got it. <laughs> good thing, good thing or not depends on what side of the fence you're on. Well, good thing for vaccines. <laughs> That's awesome. Chase, do you got anything else before we uh, let Willie go here? Oh, man. No. Wow. This has been uh, uh, just an incredible uh, um time that i've i've really enjoyed this time with you willie and uh just your open-mindedness and you talk about challenging yourself and the people around you and the way you carry yourself and have these discussions and just from what i gather the way you live your life portray and pass that on to everybody around you and try to make make that difference is just phenomenal i think and uh yeah, not not that you need yeah, didn't need I, I any feel of like my. You guys do a lot of that. I feel like you guys do a lot of that. So you guys got to come out west, and we'll get on a boat and dig in. She gonna say earlier that you should come out here, and we'll take you catfishing. If that was maybe yeah. maybe that's one of those fish on your bucket list. You can get a Red River cat, real right. famous. Oh, I've never done catfish. I haven't. We'll get you, know? you, guys, I you guys are pickerel country over there. We'll get you in some muddy water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah the muddier the better i'm in <laughs> as long as it's an adventure <laughs> yeah there you go um willie where can uh people find you like where can they find uh you got a website for your for your oh thank you uh yeah, yeah. No, we're at tofino resort marina dot uh, com right t-o-f-i-n-o resort and a-n-d marina.com um uh, you know if people want the world of social media, what we're living, like you can follow my Instagram and kind of that's the life that we try and live through the resort. Obviously I have a little bit more flexibility in my life. So I get to do a, a little bit more, but yeah. And I have the Instagram. It just, it's a capital W Willie underscore Mitch 33. And I kind of got some photos and stories of kind of the life that we live out here. Uh, I guess, you know, and our, our thing is just like, and we do that with our restaurant. So, you know, I tuna fished and I'm like, well, this is cool. Like I do this day boat tuna because most commercial boats, they stay out there for a while. And I'm like, I guess what I'm catching all this tuna. Well, how can I, so I got a commercial tuna license. Right. So I actually sell my tuna into the restaurant. So if you come to the restaurant, we can have day boat tuna. Right. So it's about as fresh as it gets like nowhere in, in Canada, you can do that, but we try and do that with everything. And then we found a little, my friend worked for Department of Fisheries and Oceans, and then I called the health inspector because I was just like trying to challenge the way we do things. And so we do like a cook your catch too. And so like if you guys came out, and you obviously have to have your fishing license, right? And you can catch a salmon, whatever. Or if you go, you know, come out and pick some chanterelles because we got lots of mushrooms here and stuff. You take that nice. into the restaurant, and we'll cook it right there for you, right? And no one's been really doing that out this way. And we, we just call it a full circle experience. So yeah, you're going out having that adventure, but now you're coming back. We're going to sit down, have a beer and, and enjoy all our work and the day and celebrate it, which food and the animal should be celebrated. Right. And, yeah. and that's what we do. And so far, so good. People are really connecting with that. And it's, you know, changing the way that in this little part of the planet, people have been doing it a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. So yeah, that's that that's what we do. And we're just like I said, we're got a cool project because like Tofino can be quieter in the winter. We're doing a floating uh, sauna way up a fjord inlet. We're doing the Wim Hof shit, right? So there's like 
got a big swing on it. So if you guys came up, right, of course, you're having a beer too, as you're having a sauna and then off a big rope swing into the water, which is freezing cold at that time of year. But that's the part of the charm and stuff. And just it's health and wellness. And, you know, you guys alluded to it. It's like health and wellness, all the adventure where it's surf, fish, free dive, all of it has a health and wellness component to it. The food, it's health and wellness because it's, you know, forged off the lands. You know, we put a lot of love into it. It's not just here. Let's throw the fish on the barbecue. We have really excellent chefs, but same thing as the sauna up there. It's like what we do is we go up, we'll drop some crab traps or prawn traps on the way up. You can go have a sauna. Could be just you and the wife and just checking out the more romantic connection via disconnection thing. On the way back, we're going to pull those traps. You can get back back to the resort, the restaurant. They're going to run them up to the restaurant. You guys can go shower, change, come back down, and now you're going to eat all that seafood which just came out of the ocean like yeah, 30 minutes ago. That, that's kind of our gig, right? Is the full circle experience, we call it, right? And, but, but adventure for everyone is like different. Like my dad, he has a, he has a narrow comfort zone and a small tether cord, right? <laughs> you know, eating an oyster for the first time is adventure for people, right? Me, it's, right. you know, I say that this a lot is it's, you know, being 70 miles offshore, uh, spear fishing for a tuna or swimming with 2000 dolphins. That's my adventure, but why should we put a box around what adventure is for people? Some it's walking a beach for the first time. They've never done it. Big ocean swell, right? So that's us. But thanks for asking. That's yeah, nice. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Tofino on your guys' podcast for sure, right? It's a yeah. pretty noteworthy place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of funny how you, how you said that, you know, you kind of do your catch and your cook, right? So but I just want everyone to know that you can't take your, your elk there and, and get Willie's chefs to cook it up. So, but, uh, but Willie, uh, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast, man. It's been a really, really good time. Um, and I really appreciate you kind of opening up and talking about a little bit of mental health and, and what kind of life is supposed to be about, you know, like, uh, getting back to the nature and, and finding those little things in life that, that make everything fun and, uh, enjoyable. So, Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and uh, maybe we'll get you on here sometime soon in the future. Thanks for having me guys. Been a pleasure. Great. Thanks again for listening to episode 87 folks. We really appreciate everyone listening in here. And uh, before we let you go, we want to remind you that if you enjoyed this episode and any other episodes, um, please share them, rate uh, rate us on whatever platform you're listening to and uh, leave us a little comment. Let us know how we're doing. That goes a long way to helping this podcast and this company grow. And uh, on that note, also head over to our YouTube page. We just dropped our uh, latest turkey hunting video of Tristan's turkey. And we're also running a little contest around that. So check out our Instagram on that. You have a chance to win a $50 gift card for our store. And uh, Sheldon, what do you got before we take off, buddy? Well, I've got to... I don't know, man. I don't have much. The one thing I will say is I've been doing a lot of driving here in the last couple of weeks with work. The one thing that I have witnessed, and not only that, I've witnessed three of them on my lawn this week, but a lot of rabbits around, hmm. which I haven't seen. And I like I do, like not lying to anyone, I do a lot of driving. So um, I see a lot of shit. <laughs> like I've been seeing a <laughs> lot of rabbits. And I was just like, man, I have never seen rabbits like this in 20 years probably. But yeah, it seems like they're all over the place, which is good. Um, maybe a little rabbit stew on the uh, forecasted dining room table 
Yeah, like, well, I was talking to my old man there last year about it. There's a, I went for a walk through the bush, and there's lots of rabbit tracks. And I was like, man, we should try to snare a rabbit or two and cook them up. And he said, no, no, you leave them alone. He's like, I want to see those rabbits rebound and then his back property. So maybe this winter I can convince him to throw a snare out <laughs> or two. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I'm into some cooking up some rabbits, so let me know. There's actually uh, guys that hunt them down like uh, – I don't know if it's like southern Manitoba that you just walk walk like a windrow kind of thing and chase them out and guys shoot them with the rifles. So can you can you hunt rabbits with dogs right now? like in Manitoba or no? Can you hunt anything with dogs in Manitoba? Waterfowl. Like other than other than waterfowl, you don't really hunt them with dogs. But yeah, up on game bird you do. I guess yeah. Yeah. Good question. Good question. question good let's question? Uh, let's answer that one on the next intro. I'd love to know. Okay. You know what? I why I want to get my next dog is going to be a squirrel dog. Boom. We'll save that conversation. Spoiled dog? Squirrel dog. Oh, yeah. I I know who wears pants in that family. You'll probably get a, a wiener dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Thanks for listening. Keep Cheers. those lines tight. Keep your hooks sharp. Keep your flies sharp. And uh, keep that Leatherman on your hip. <laughs>